0: This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM.
1: From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School,
2: this is Leadership in Action on Business Radio. Welcome to Leadership in Action, our SiriusXM's business radio, powered by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. I am Mike Yuseem, Director of the Center for Leadership and Change, and I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Anne Greenhall, who's the Deputy Director of the McNulty Leadership Program, very same school. I want to remind you that our show, episodes of our show anyway, premiere every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern, right here on Business Radio, Sirius XM Channel 132, and of course, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at XM Business. So, I want to first of all just um, have a word with my uh, my good friend and colleague, Ann Greenhall. uh just to warm us up on the uh, program this morning, what's happened in the last week mm-hmm. that has made you feel better
0: about our future? Oh, and- very good. Very good, surprise, Mike. I realize. Well, I appreciate that question. Uh, Yesterday, Mike, we had a stand-up meeting in the leadership program. And I just wanted to get a little bit of a handle on how 20-plus members of the group were feeling. So I asked them to do what we call a whip around and to say in one word, describe a thorn, and in one word, describe a rose. And I the whip around by choosing two words. The thorn is uncertainty. We're still not quite sure what the fall will bring. And of course in higher ed, we're anticipating um, virtual hybrid in-person instruction and we're not quite sure what the ratio will be. So that's a bit of a thorn in my side. But on the other hand, I have to say uh, my rose was unfolding i 'm really rather energized by the um, uncertainty and the possibilities, and who knows what 's going to happen around the corner and I have this wonderful sense of adventure, like oh boy <laughs> what 's today going to what 's today going to bring so uh, so that 's how I would respond, uh, Mike, at least for me, uh, recognizing the downside, the uncertainty, and the ambiguity that that can create. But on the other hand, recognizing the opportunity in that uncertainty and just grabbing hold of it.
2: Yeah, I, I love it. And I think everybody knows the phrase that a crisis is, a, a in, in Chinese language, for example, is often described as something that's got a huge downside, but there is opportunity. And isn't that our job to look for those opportunities while otherwise the world can look pretty bleak? That's part of what this show is all about. Right. <laughs> Making uh, forward progress, even though sometimes it looks like uh, the world's going off a cliff. So, and thank you on that. I want to introduce our guest now. We're going to continue this very topic with Joe Bus. Uh, Joe, welcome to our program.
1: Well, thank you so much. It's it's really an honor to be with you both. Uh, I thank you for having me.
2: Uh, Joe, it's an honor to have you. Let me just say a word or two about you, and then we're going to get going with our informal dialogue. I want people to think about calling in to join the program if you are so inclined. And here, I'll I'll offer up the number a little bit later in the program. A couple words about Joe. Uh, He is with ASRC Federal Holding Company. Get that, ASRC, Federal Holding Company. It's a government services subsidiary of Arctic Slope Regional Corporation. There is the ASRC. It's an Alaska native corporation owned by a number of shareholders in that region. It supports a family of companies, a whole set of companies that provide provide a broad range of services to federal civilian intelligence and defense agencies. And Joe is Senior VP of Missile Defense Solutions. Uh, Joe directs the development of mission management and integrated decision support systems for maritime and Airborne platforms in that region. So, Joe, I'm going to just get us going, take a few minutes, and then Ann and I are going to go back and forth with you. Uh, with you, uh, Let me start this way. W- what got you in- into the business? I know you have a background at the uh, Naval Academy. You served in the Marine Corps. Uh, but help us uh, go from your earlier phases of your life experience to the fact now that you're working with ASRC.
1: Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for that question, Mike. Um, Geez, I could dial that back dating myself to uh, 1974 Easter Sunday. My father, actually, my mother and father actually different times. They they, uh, took me to a local airport, put me on an airplane uh, by myself. I sat uh, in the seat next to the pilot. And before you knew it, I was hooked. Uh, So um, my love for aviation uh, was followed by a love for space. Um, they took me to Kennedy the year after, of course, it was right around when the Apollo programs were, were really starting to peak. But Joe, just
2: uh, describe if you could, uh, ASRC, it's got a really interesting um, fuller name as I've already gone through, but just describe in, in some graphic sense, uh, what happens, what do you do, what, what do your colleagues do?
1: Sure. Sure, so Arctic Slope, uh, the regional corporation's overall mi- uh, mission is to uh, actively manage the businesses uh, within uh, the lands, the resources, the investments, the relationships uh, to continue to enhance the, the Inupiaq culture uh, and economic freedom. And you know we, we place a great emphasis, uh, it's a fantastic leadership team on doing that with, with continuity, responsibility, integrity within the holding corporation, um, ASRC Federal in which I invested, uh, Mission Solutions, we, as you, as you point out, we ingest a lot of uh, data. We develop programs that ingest a lot of data from a lot of sensors. So uh, I often give people examples, uh, your Easy Pass, your cell phone, a lot of data flowing, flowing through both. Uh, without proper structure, it doesn't mean anything. So what we do is we take all that data, we, we, we aggregate it and we make it a meaningful picture to an operator who's using our systems. That's really what we focus on. That's great. And Joe, one last question from me, and I'm
2: gonna pass it over to Ann. When I think of the Arctic, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is the Arctic Circle, which I think formally defines the, the, the region as such. My guess is that that's not um, a restriction that's necessarily in your your mode of operating. But I do think it, it means that you're probably up in uh, the north, uh, the north, northern part of Alaska uh, into the Arctic proper above Alaska. So just give us a little bit of a geographic sense for where you do operate and what, what you bring in terms of services to the various agencies that I mentioned when I introduced you at the outset with which you work.
1: Sure. Uh, well, the, the regional corporation uh, is nationally placed. We, we are all over the United States uh, north of the um, uh, the northern slope of alaska is uh, where uh, the significant portion of of shareholders live although they are dispersed uh, through throughout alaska throughout the lower 48 there's uh, headquarters there as well as anchorage um, significant uh, presence throughout and throughout the the united states uh, we've got offices that support all the federal and, and civilian contract purposes uh, our headquarters with an ASRC Federal is in Beltsville, Maryland. My location is actually in southern New Jersey. It's where I operate of, uh, most of the time. I've got an office in Huntsville, Alabama, one in Wall Township, and a significant presence there in Aberdeen, Maryland as well.
2: All right, that's great. Uh, Ann, I'm going to sh- uh, pass the baton to you.
0: Okay, very good, Mike. Thank you. And Joe, uh, honor and a pleasure to have this opportunity to speak with you. Joe, you've talked a little bit about uh, your, you know, your perspective as a child sitting next to the pilot, your interest, you, young interest in the Apollo missions. Can you just say a little word about how you got from there, your childhood vision, to here, um, as senior vice president of missile defense solutions?
1: Yeah, thanks for that question, and I, so. I, Again, back to leadership, I've always had great role models and leaders in in my life and springing off those experiences, I was exposed to uh, the the service uh, of my family members, uh, Navy, Army, Air Corps, back through World War II, up through Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, and just had developed an affinity for for, um, military service, uh, pursued uh, an appointment to the Naval Academy, uh while there had an experience with marine corps aviation uh, and just decided that i was going to fly and pursue a a career in flight uh, and and ultimately uh, see if i could swing for the fences and uh, secure an astronaut billet you know fate sometimes has other plans uh health concerns uh set me on a different course and it was probably one of uh Uh, The toughest things for me in terms of setback, but at the same time, uh, in keeping, you know, with the show's uh, uh, spirit here, it it allowed me the opportunity to regroup and grow in another direction. Uh, And looking back on, it gave me experiences leading people that I probably wouldn't have had, uh, and they were absolutely pivotal uh, in my development. Um, When I had to hang it up, uh, due to uh, some some health concerns, uh, the natural uh, transition for me was to figure out a way to continue to, to serve, uh, those those folks uh, that uh, that I once wore the uniform with, uh, so the defense industry you know, presented itself as an opportunity, uh, and uh, it's it's just been uh, a great ride thus far. Uh, listening to uh, to great folks set uh, aspirational visions and helping them fulfill those visions, and uh, doing my part uh, throughout the the leadership uh, and execution cycle, uh, has essentially afforded me great opportunities along the way, to include this one. Uh, which presented itself a couple of years back, and uh, I'm just having the time of my life with this company and this team.
0: All right, beautiful. So, Joe, just to make sure I really follow you, so initially you had aspirations to be an astronaut, but health concerns uh, closed that door, but opened others.
1: Yeah, no, you, you got that right. Uh, and and even with that, as a, as just an example, uh, to you know, to my girls, you had asked me about my girls uh, yeah. as recently as 2016. Uh, I reapplied uh, for the, as an astronaut uh, as an astronaut candidate. Um, I, I knew I had you know very little chance there's over eighteen thousand applicants uh, but the, that that persistence, that never quit attitude uh, that continue to try to be a part of it and learn from the experience is something that I wanted to convey to them
0: Oh so beautiful to so see the silver lining is really so important for us all well thank you and just to follow up and i this really resonates to me with me wearing multiple hats. So can you talk a little bit more about the particular portfolio that you oversee?
1: Sure, yeah, absolutely. So i um, proud to say that uh, uh, we've got a, a pretty balanced mission set uh, focused on uh, Department of Defense as well as some Department of Homeland Security. We've got a, a robust portfolio uh, that provides uh, systems and solutions uh, for largely maritime, assets so uh, US naval ships US Coast Guard cutters uh, we do provide some for uh, fixed-wing aviation as well some support we've provided uh, for the f-35 program um, and you know as I, as I mentioned with uh, my, my rudimentary example uh, we've got a lot of a lot of talent uh, yeah. within the organization. A lot of skill, uh, a lot of subject matter expertise, uh, and just a, a wealth of, of years of experience uh, that uh, I'll say uh, that I'm proud to be a part of because they, they make it look easy. This team makes it look easy providing these systems, and what they're doing is not easy. Uh, we used to have an expression about three or four years ago, uh, yeah, what we do is rocket science. So it's, uh, it's pretty heady stuff, and I'm proud to be a part of it. All right. I, go ahead, Mike, please. Yeah, I'm going to break in, Joe. Uh,
2: we do need to remind everybody that you are listening to Leadership in Action. Business Radio Series XM Channel 132. Mm-hmm. I'm your host, Mike Useem. I'm with Anne Hall, And we are speaking with the Senior Vice President of Missile Defense Solutions at ASRC Federal. ASRC is Arctic Slope Regional Corporation. Joe, uh, a couple weeks ago, you and I had a conversation about how COVID is descending upon us all, and let's turn now to a topic everybody is thinking about it just about every, well, not, not only every day, but uh, every hour practically, and if we can go back and take this a little bit chronologically, take us back to mid-March as it was becoming evident that the virus is reaching the U.S., uh, tell us how you thought about it, what you did about it, and and then we'll
1: take it up through the present. Go over to you. Sure. Yeah. No. Thank you for that question. Uh, so, absolutely. Um, we've uh, we've not dealt with this sort of thing before. Uh, when I when I came into this role several years back, uh, one of the things I noticed about our our business unit it it lacked a really robust continuity of operations plan. So, uh, like any good former Marine would, I said, "Well, we're going to do a continuity of operations plan." And silly me, I I did forget the chapter on global pandemic, so that was a bit of (laughs) learning on the fly, uh, as as has been the case for for many of us. Um, I'll dial it back just even a little bit farther, uh, Mike. Around February 6th or 7th timeframe, we started getting some guidance here within the state of uh, New Jersey uh, that really indicated that uh, shutdowns were were imminent. we, of course, working for the Pentagon had different direction. Uh, it was continue to work. You are mission critical. Um, as a leader, of course, that's that's a challenging situation. You know, The first thing you want to do uh, is maintain your, your poise, maintain your lines of communication, uh, ensure you're being transparent, uh, and set those priorities so all can see. And ASRC Federal and, and within our division, we prioritize the health and safety of our employees and try to balance that with... Uh, re- continued mission effectiveness, so delivering delivering the products uh, for which we're, we're tasked. So overall, um, we took a step by step, iterative approach. Uh, we learned some lessons. We uh, adjusted, uh, and what we what we really placed emphasis on uh, was ensuring that the employees and the team, uh, as well as our customers, knew that we were there for them, and specifically for the employees. We reduced the density within the building. We upped the, the cleaning and hygiene within the building and the, the workspaces themselves. Um, on the customer side of the house, we reassured them that, uh, as you pointed out, uh, discussing with Anne at the beginning of the program, we're tasked with finding opportunity in crisis. And I honestly think uh, this has been uh, somewhat of a blessing in disguise. Because it shed light on some of our our unique abilities as a very capable small uh, business to support uh, our current customers um, and, and do so in a in a quick uh, and, and affordable manner. Um, some of that's lost, of course, in the world of defense contracting. There's there's significantly larger tier one defense contractors. Uh, one, one of which, uh, for for whom we work is, as a direct customer, fantastic company. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, I did work with them for, for a number of years. Uh, but uh, this particular situation allowed us to shine a little bit uh, in the eyes of the end customer, uh, the US Navy and, and the Coast Guard and such, because we were able to uh, keep folks focused on task and find a way to continue operations despite uh, the myriad of restrictions in, in terms of uh, working within the office, et cetera.
2: Yeah. Joe, I've got a very short follow-up and then over to Ann before we take a break, and that is yes, I think we're all intrigued or mindful of communication coming from our superiors, our bosses, uh, in Ann's case and my case, the, the provost and president of the university, and can you just very briefly construct how you would have addressed your employees as it was becoming evident to you even back in February, that COVID, coronavirus, is going to fundamentally change how we do business. What would be some of the words you would have used at that time? Sure. Some of the words that I would have used? Is that what you said, Mike? Yeah. Uh, just uh, Or the phrases. Or how would you report it to everybody that, uh, watch out, we're going to have to do a lot of work to get through this whole coronavirus event?
1: Yeah, no, thanks for that question. So, uh, I I think uh, the approach that we took has been pretty effective thus far. Um, first and foremost, it, it all really uh, it's critical that they they you establish a foundation with your team that they understand your your approach to leadership and management. Uh, and in doing so, uh, my team understands about me uh, and my leadership team that we we operate uh, off of feedback. Uh, we're, we're thick skinned, we're professionals. We're not afraid of, uh, some criticism. We need to know what's not working so we can adjust. So with that foundation, we were able to clearly establish a set of priorities with respect to uh, balanced mission. My team's heard me say that, uh, hundreds of times and by balanced mission. Uh, what I mean is first and foremost, we know our, our value is extracted by our folks. We've got to protect those folks. So they understand, uh, my priorities. Uh, then they understand how I communicate. Uh, I always use the expression when I'm uh, doing a, a new hire lunch where I sit with uh, uh, brand new hires. Uh, we do a dozen at a time. <laughs> Lately, we've been using this vast room with, uh, with everybody's face and face masks on. Uh, and I use the, the expression you've heard uh, associated with the Navy often I, right? And what does I.I. mean? It's the very essence of communication. It is, I heard what you said. I understand what you said. I will comply with what you said. The implicitly there is, of course, a feedback loop, right? So ensuring that they understand the leadership and communication style of my team uh, has been paramount. And then using every effective method, realizing that I've got a broad range of uh, demographics within uh, the company in in terms of seniority. Uh, And some of the folks uh, tend to communicate solely by their texts, some of them by a phone call. So we hit it with them all. We set up, uh, you know, essentially every communication mechanism what we could establish. Uh, phone trees, you know, hearkening back to, you know, 80s uh, canceled baseball practices when you used to get on the phone and let everybody know that baseball was practiced because of rain. We, we used those techniques. We used text messages, blast text messages, web pages, uh, and, and word of mouth. There was always somebody present uh, in, in the building. Uh, even when we had uh, very, very difficult times, we had a couple of cases uh, within the building. Uh, we had to quarantine a couple of uh, areas. Uh, and w- at one point, we actually shut the building down under the abundance of caution and had the entire place clean. It was only for a day. Um, but uh, what I found is that uh, setting those priorities uh, and communicating in the fashion that we did, I truly expected a lot more critical feedback, uh, which I would have welcomed. Uh, and thus far, I can honestly say it's been overwhelmingly positive from all uh, facets of of the workforce Uh, and of course while that's a a reflection on on how we've approached it we certainly couldn't have done it without every element of the workforce Uh, and I I mean every element Uh, everybody has a role in this the folks who are taking care of the facilities the engineers uh, finance you name it Uh, everybody's really uh, rowing in the same direction
0: Oh, that's great. I'm
2: going to reinforce a, a couple of points there, and that is the I. I. I think we don't play in, in normal conversation in, in uh, civilian settings, if you will, ask to ensure that the message sent out is actually understood. It's yeah. a great point. Uh, and we've got basically two minutes left, so... Sure.
0: I've got a quickie. We, we may have <laughs> sure. Go for it. All right, all right. So Joe, am I right in understanding that there's no remote uh, working in your organization?
1: Ah, that's a great question, Ann. Uh, so uh, had you asked me in December, the answer would have been yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, we, uh, we were incredibly fortunate, uh, as I said, because um, we're small, we're committed, uh, we're a little gritty. Yeah, we uh, were here to uh, take care of employees and uh, deliver what we promised uh, to the end customer. Uh, and in doing so, it gave us the opportunity to engage with our customer set and present some new opportunities um, that were uh, incredibly uh, uh, safe in terms of risk mitigation to uh, identify portions of the system uh, that we could develop remotely. Translated, uh, we did not have that capability couldn't even have that dialogue prior to COVID. COVID yeah. introduced a new sense of urgency. We were yeah. able to have some of that dialogue. Uh, and the end result is, uh, yeah, we, we absolutely can push uh, up to 25 to 35% of the workforce uh, work from home for limited periods of time uh, now if the, case, if the case arises.
2: This is a, a somewhat, i call it a challenging question, uh, but it's the kind of question I think we're all going through now With the benefit of hindsight, seeing what we see now, but not seeing it back in, say, February, are there steps that you would have taken differently with the benefit of hindsight? And I say that favorably because this is the essence of the after-action review. You're extremely familiar with that. It's a tradition that goes um, uh, at the Marine Corps. You practice that probably almost every day. So, looking back, what have we learned? What have you learned that will inform you a little bit differently uh, going ahead from the past four or five months of experience?
1: Yeah, that's uh, it's a fantastic question, Mike. Thank you. Um, you know, what leapt to mind there at the end was uh, multi-dimensional leadership. What do I mean by that? I, I often, you know, talk to uh, my team. Uh, about leading in every direction, whether it's up chain side to side or, or uh, with the team that you manage. Uh, and upchain can be internal and external. Uh, externally, I think is the root of my answer to your question. Uh, customers can be effectively uh, led. Uh, they're looking for answers, they're looking for options. Um, and I think that we had taken some steps in the past uh, to start to influence different methods of operation uh, different methods of product development and delivery, uh, because we, we know what we do. We know what we do probably uh, as well or, or better than anybody on the planet. Um, and uh, we, we owe that to our, our customer. Uh, I think some of the things that I would probably take away from this experience is uh, hearkening, you know, back to advice that, that I always heard from my father, you know, find a way, is uh, I, I probably would have taken a, a different approach Uh, on delivering uh, that messaging to the customer you know timing is everything they say and I think at the time over the past year year and a half uh, when we would make recommendations uh, the customer may not have been ready to to hear some of our proposed changes Uh, and as I I referenced earlier uh, with COVID of course everything was on the table Uh, how do we all get through this together prioritizing health and safety but how do we continue the mission uh, hey, ideas, everyone was essentially the call that came. Uh and it gave us new opportunity to present that. Uh but with that, of course, we were operating with a sense of, of expediency and, and and uh short of short of haste. Uh but I would have ta- taken I would have taken probably some additional steps uh, had we had we secured that uh victory and, and won that mindset over prior to COVID. Great,
2: Joe. And why don't we go back to the question you had just before the break. It was a very good question.
0: Yeah, And it pertains to the after-action review, because now in looking backwards, and you see that it is possible to have some people working remotely, do you imagine that a future post-COVID in which you might continue to have some, some individuals work remotely?
1: Yeah, indeed. Uh, thanks for that question, Anne. indeed. Um, not unique to what it is we do. I think there's many things that will never go back to the old norm uh, that we had back in the beginning of this year. Uh, And our work situation is likely one of them. Uh, I think this has introduced, uh, you know, essentially a validation of the art of the possible, right? There's always going to be work that we have to do uh, in a highly secure environment, and we will always do that in a highly secure environment. Uh, And then there's the reevaluation of, of, of the mission systems themselves that we deliver uh, and what can be done in more flexible manners. And I think that perfectly aligns with uh, a lot of the DOD uh, mission right now. There's uh, large initiatives underway, the platform one, uh, et cetera. I, I'd invite you to, to take a look at when you have the opportunity uh, that really starts to uh, leverage uh, talent by distributing uh, engineering, getting getting additional uh, agencies and, and uh, expertise and, and uh, industry base engaged uh, throughout the the entire country. So I think that was already a, a vision that was starting to manifest itself uh, albeit somewhat slowly uh, and I think this is uh, perhaps catalyzing that and I think we're, we're right where we need to be on the wave uh, riding at the shore.
0: Good. Maybe I have maybe a, a follow-up question here and it's a little bit more personal but I'm I'm curious about this. I know that you are also a very proud husband and father uh, to three daughters mm-hmm. and I'm just wondering in retrospect, if you see a way in which you have learned from your daughters and your experience as a father to daughters has influenced your leadership.
1: Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> you hit me where I live there, Ann. You know, my, <laughs> my ladies, my ladies are, are my my world. Kara, uh, uh, she runs a local art center uh, in South Jersey, Perkins Center for the Arts. And why oh. I bring that up. One of the one of the uh, philosophies that I have uh, in work uh, is essentially to look at a problem from multiple hilltops, different perspectives, uh, and I always invite that artistic brain um, into our engineering uh, solution uh, designs because uh, well, you know the old expression: when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Uh, right. So I think we're more effective when we when we pull those lessons. And she's just been highly influential throughout my entire career. Uh, my daughters, uh, we uh, uh, every day I learn from them, every day. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that I try to impress upon folks that I mentor. Uh, you know, the you old know, expression, "Listen more than you speak," yeah. uh, but you you should be learning from everybody around you. Everybody offers you something. Uh, several years right. back, my, our, my my daughters, my wife, and I formed a, a nonprofit ourselves, <laughs> and the idea was to uh, allow our daughters to have a leadership experience with their peers. Uh, and get youth engaged pre-pre um, right. 16. Often pre-16 are prohibited from engaging uh, in formal programs for for various and sundry you know reasons you know. And what we were able to do was establish an organization that allowed K through 8 to start getting engaged and and find purpose uh, with emphasis on um, a mission bigger than themselves uh, yeah. and finding ways to to pursue constructive conflict when there's differences hey, let's start with that blue triangle there, you know, that little shaded area in the middle of those three circles called a Venn diagram. Let's start right. with what's common and work out. Uh, so watching them develop that uh, over the years has just been incredibly rewarding uh, and fulfilling, and uh, I, I've never stopped learning and never will.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Mike, <laughs> would you like to follow up?
1: <laughs> yeah, Joe, I'm
0: going
2: to um, ask a kind of a, it a peculiar question about your role as the leader. There's an argument which I am drawn to that one of the roles we have to play is to keep morale up when it's down or lift it up when it's down but also guard against over optimism. It's sides to the same issue of your special role as a leader of other people, ensuring that people are focused and energized and not demoralized, of course, there's the danger of the opposite as well. Uh, a great quarter is going to be a wonderful year when it's not. Would you mind talking through how you weave between those two sides,
0: mm-hmm.
2: between maybe the two guardrails of being over-optimistic or over-pessimistic? And by you, I really mean the people that work with you. How do you keep them uh, appropriately optimistic without being
1: over-optimistic? optimistic. Yeah, I, thanks for that question, Mike. It's a wonderful question. Uh, and, and I think um, the, the leadership philosophy uh, that that I've uh, embraced uh, is really the underpinning uh, of, of the answer. And, and that is that uh, I, I've always stated to uh, my teams that there are leaders at every level. Uh, and part of our, our job as senior leaders is to identify those leaders. They're force multipliers. OK, so uh, in an operation, you know, close to 700 people um, that I run, uh, we've got a senior leadership team, we've got senior managers, we've got first-line managers, you've got individual contributors. And at every every level, in every function, there are leaders. And you identify those leaders and you form a, a resonance and a trust and a bond over time. They recognize that, you know, I and my team are there for their success, their, their continued employment, their development as individuals. Uh, that trust translates to the willingness to you know bear uh, the the truth and, and the truth is is in uh, transparency is one of our our key uh, priorities and our, our our attributes that we embrace um, you, you remember you know these are these are smart people you know Americans are are smart people right so whether we're talking to company or or, or, or not um, my answer is is the same that uh, you know, once you've established that uh, your priority is uh, their welfare, that you identify them as the value translated that's being delivered to the customer, once you've established that uh, that belief and uh, that, that true uh, faith uh, is really what it becomes, you're able to identify um, opportunities to present them the upside to situations and the downside situations. All right, so we know what we're shooting for. We're shooting for a perfect performance every time. We're shooting for continued uh, uh, career uh, development opportunities for all the employees. We're shooting for excellent customer satisfaction. Now that we all know what we're shooting for folks, here are the opportunities that are presented and here are the risks that we face. And this is what's going to happen uh, if we uh, indeed encounter some of these risks and they manifest themselves. But here's how we're structured to respond to that. And here's how we're going to continue to emphasize uh, our care and development for the workforce while continuing to deliver to the customer, maintaining our, our, our reputation, uh, ensure that we're delivering value to our shareholders. Uh, so it, it uh, I, I wish I could say that there's uh, uphill, right. It seems to be the, the mode that we're in as a society, you know, everything's instant. Um, I, I was once dubbed, uh, and my former employee, the rule of 10 guy, um, you know, it, it, you give me $10 and in, in a year it would be a hundred and then it would be a thousand. Uh, and, and you just continue to creep up on it. And you continue to build that, uh, that integrity of, of the overall unit, whether it's a, a 30 person, you know, platoon or, 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 you know, a 700 person company, uh, they have to understand that, uh, Your commitment to delivering is balanced between them and the customer, and uh, that you recognize their intelligence and their ability to weed through what's true and what's not true. Uh, The minute you start to attempt to snow somebody, you lost them for good, Uh, and I'll never do that.
2: Joe, that's great. Let me just remind everybody that, of course, this is Leadership in Action, Business Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 132. I'm Mike Yusem. I'm here with Ann Greenhall, and we are in conversation with Joe Bolson. Senior Vice President of Missile Defense Systems at ASRC Federal. Joe, a quick final question for me, and in order to end, and that is everybody that we know, and I'm sure this is true of you, had to shift gears somewhat in the way you lead the enterprise from, uh, as, as one writer put it, BC, before coronavirus, to now AC, after coronavirus. The, maybe the, the change you've made in your method of leading your your part of the business, what's the area where you've seen the biggest change in how you operate compared to before the coronavirus from now the vantage of after the coronavirus?
1: Sure. Yeah, thanks for that question, Mike. I, probably the, the first thing that leaps to mind uh, is uh, FaceTime. Um, I I tend to be very, very hands on. Uh, I I like to engage with the workforce uh, several times a year. We gather everybody under one roof. We rent a large facility uh, and uh, I I provide a business overview. What's what's going well? What's not going well? Fortunately, over the past several years, everything's been going well. We've we've got a a fantastic team. Um, We've obviously not been able to do that. Uh, so uh, I've had to adjust uh, my my personal engagement style. The teams had to uh, adjust it as well. Uh, obviously, everybody is masked up. Um, you know, we're we're six feet apart. Uh, there's only a few people in a room at a time. Uh, so we just maintain a, a rhythm and an op tempo uh, that's as least disruptive as possible to day-to-day operations. But. Uh, uh, very, very grateful for folks willing to donate some of their time during lunch. You know, We buy them lunch, we bring them into uh, small rooms, small groups at a time, uh, and we continue to deliver the same message uh, with respect to how we're doing and the risks that we face and the opportunities that, that are before us uh, and to listen to their feedback uh, and then adjust our, our, uh, our approaches uh, based upon that feedback as necessary. Uh, So we've we've done that within the team. Uh, We've done that with the customer as well. Uh, Obviously, uh, the the electronic format is uh, uh, not ideal for for somebody who likes to be face to face. But uh, it's uh, it's where um, the uh, the generation coming uh, into the workforce uh, is rooted anyway. So it was probably a good healthy kick in the rear end for me to get very, very comfortable with that quickly.
0: Joe, oh, that's
2: great, uh, Anne. Over to you.
0: Yeah, very good. Thank you, Mike and Joe. We've had an opportunity to glean a little bit about how you take up leadership. Uh, words that come to my mind: communication, feedback, transparency. I'm I'm wondering as we as you look back on your career. Uh, you know, previously you had leadership positions at Lockheed Martin. Uh, you've also. Uh, before your career in the government service market, you were captain of the United States Marine Corps. Is there a a particular lesson learned in your previous history that you've carried with you into your role today?
1: Uh, Yeah, thanks for that question. And a particular lesson, yeah you know I, there's there's a number of things uh you know that, that leap to mind and there's usually two or three that i that i cling to when talking uh as a as a mentor uh or to to my staff uh know your value and know when you're not uh leaps to mind um yeah. you're not always the right for the job and uh the, the bottom line is it's I, <laughs> I i've started to say it's like getting eaten by a bear it's not personal this is, this is business you you have a job to do uh, and sometimes you are the right asset for that moment or or that period of time, and sometimes you're not. Uh, and the key is to you know truly identify your place uh, in that value stream uh, and and know how to continue to pursue uh, opportunities uh, to deliver. So being being flexible, uh, and one of the phrases that we you know we've adapted, you know I, I can't claim credit for authorship is, is Semper Gumby, right? Always always flexible. You have to continue to remain flexible and understand the needs on the other end and how your skills uh, and how your your commitment uh, and your culture align to delivering uh, to those needs.
0: Oh, that's, that's beautiful. Can I, may I ask just one follow up? Can you think of a moment uh, in retrospect in which you realized that you just weren't the right person at the right time in the right place for that particular work stream?
1: Uh yeah, yeah. Uh, actually um my my former employer uh I, I had a number of tremendous opportunities. Uh it's just a tremendous company. Um great leadership uh, all around. And uh you know, I, I guess I developed a reputation for uh, fixing broken broken things there, you know, large large yeah. programs that uh kind of came off the rails and started to underperform, Uh, I usually got tapped and and asked to to step into those. Uh, I I tend to operate better at higher RPMs and and sometimes in crisis mode, I I just really thrive. So developing that reputation, um, I went from RED program to RED program. uh, And the largest one that I ran there towards the end, uh, it really started to reach a a stasis and and, and a steady state. I had a vision for it that was not necessarily aligned uh, with what the company needed. And uh, uh, I, I recognized that you know, what the company needed was paramount, right? We had shareholders to deliver to. We had employees to take care of. Uh, and the vision that I had for it was not aligned. Uh, and that was really a, a, a smack in the face for me in terms of what I said a moment ago, that it's not personal. Right. Um, my right. vision, what did, it did not invalidate my vision. They just weren't aligned. Uh, So it was a moment where I had to have discussions with senior executives and say, you know, I I just don't think I'm the person uh, to carry this where you need to go. Happy to slot in anywhere else you need me.
0: Oh, beautiful. Thank you for that. And I, you know, you know, no career is linear. And I know uh, many of our listeners have had similar moments and so important to talk to ourselves and just say, you know, Ann, this isn't personal. It's just not the right time, place, uh, role for you. Thank you for that. Mike.
2: Joe, we're getting close to the end of our time. And just to give you a heads up, and and Ann as well, in a couple of minutes, uh, Ann and I, by tradition, would do an after action review ourselves. And what we mean by that in this context is we look back on our dialogue with people like yourself and bring out what, to us, Uh, are the invaluable messages for us going forward, hopefully of benefit to our listeners. I'm actually going to uh, invite you to join that AAR many times, I know, and it'll be a a matter of looking back. What are the two or three most vital thoughts that we talked about today collectively that our listeners ought to hang on to? But before that, I've got really a kind of a final question here as you look back on your own career beginning professionally or at least scholastically at the U.S. Naval Academy, you served in the Marine Corps, you've been in the Marine Reserves, you've been with Lockheed and now you're with ASRC Federal, what are a couple thoughts you would have for people who look at you and that's the kind of life or that's the kind of career, that's the kind of leadership they would like to be able to exercise one day in their own future. So, looking back to help other people, look forward. What advice would you have?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah thanks for that question, Mike. Uh, you know, one of our, our values uh, within ASRC is humility. Uh, that that leaps to mind. Uh, one of my favorite expressions is uh, "heavy is the head that weareth the crown," and as leaders uh, at every level. Uh, whether uh, politically appointed, elected, uh, industry, what have you. Uh, one of the things that uh, my wife and I encourage the girls to consider is that every leader is influencing the next generation of leaders. They, they're watching. They're studying. Uh, and you, you consistently need to ask yourself, what is it that we're exhibiting? What, what behaviors? Uh, what are we teaching them about leadership, about service, about constructive conflict, uh, about how we work together? Uh, so that immediately leaps to mind. Uh the other the other uh area that I, I continue to encourage um, up and comers and uh peers uh is that uh challenges are a part of life. Uh setbacks are a part of life. Uh nothing's permanent. Remain poised, professional, take your job seriously, but not yourself, you know um you can certainly maintain your your bearing but recognize that you know you're you're a human too uh you're going to make mistakes uh and you need to be approachable uh folks need to be able to communicate with you for you to be effective um and maintain a, an air of continuous learning right that's uh, so critical whether it's formal uh continued uh, education uh or or informal uh on your own time yep. make that time uh, to 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 mentor protege I often get more out of those sessions uh, than I'm sure I'm, I'm providing uh, just by, by hearing the questions and, and hearing the perspectives.
2: So, Joe, very, very helpful on that. And uh, In
0: under one minute, this is the sure. one A-R. I can do it, Mike. I'm going to make two points. It's going to be a what and a how. And on the what, what stands out for me, Joe, and thank you for this, is just the very important reminder of the importance of the I-I in conversation to communicate that I've heard, I've understood, and I will do. The second, and I want to just thank you for this, you are, uh, in the interview with Mike and me, you have thanked us multiple times for the questions that we've asked. And the mere act of thanking and showing uh, gratitude and appreciation, I think, is a very important aspect of an empowering leadership style and so but you've reminded me not only of the what but the how and thank you
2: and thank you Annette. joe the same question the most important thing you'd like people to remember uh, for their own leadership going forward
1: yeah i think the most important thing i'd like folks to remember uh is that uh you're only as good as the folks that you're that you're trying to bring along mm-hmm. Uh, you have to understand their value and you have to understand what they're taking from you in terms of uh, desirable uh, attributes and characteristics. Uh, you, you can never rest uh, as a leader. You you really are on 24 seven. They're studying you, yeah. make it count.
0: That's great.
2: All right, that's I- good. so here are my three. I'm gonna begin where Anne began and that is I really like the notion of the I, I, and look just to elaborate on, on why, I think everybody knows uh, the phrase mayday, 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 and the phrase is three statements of mayday. And why is that? We want to make certain people get the point. This is an emergency. Uh, so, and a little bit of the same feel. We want to know, did you get the point? Do you understand? And I says that, but I, I says, yes, I really do understand. Number two, Joe, you made the point along the way that there are leaders at every level, and part of our job is to unleash their leadership. They're great. We want them to step forward, take charge, even if they're not fully or formally in charge. And finally, you mentioned this, uh, Joe, really stuck with me, the importance of FaceTime, the importance, the fundamental importance of FaceTime, especially in a crisis, uh, hands-on. I'm gonna have to put an asterisk next to that, though, and say, What's really been important in the last couple of weeks is mask time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't to be out there with your face. Don't forget to mask up. And uh, maybe instead of um, Facebook, we're going to have a mask book in our future. <laughs> we'll we'll see about that. Yeah. So, Joe, uh, great to talk with you. If somebody wants to learn more about uh, you or, or your company, how would they do that?
1: Yeah, no, thanks for that question as well. So uh, asrc.com or asrcfederal.com uh, is, uh, uh, is always available. Um, and uh, the, the company is uh, just amazing about providing uh, insights and, and aspects uh, you know, about what we do, as well as opportunities to, to join our mission. We're, we're you know, developing a, a great product for, for great people and we're, we're growing and uh, uh, eager to, uh, to share our experience uh, with others.
2: Joe, good note to end on. Thank you for joining us. I want to remind everybody that, uh, that you've been listening to Channel 132, 132, XM. Email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. Special thanks to our guests again, Joe. want to thank our producer, Patty Hall, our sound engineer, Dion Simpkins. I'm Mike Yuseem. I've been here with Anne Greenhall. You are listening to Leadership in Action, business radio powered for the Wharton School, Sirius XM. 132, come back.
0: For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.